Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, the Word of God says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this marvelous passage of Scripture, we ask for you to minister to our hearts as you've done so many times, and even as our Lord Jesus did on this day, preaching to these multitudes this amazing message. We come to you with open hearts and open ears. And we ask that you would calm our worries and fears, increase our faith, and help us to rest in thee, uh, even in troubled times. And that as you encourage us to take no thought for these things, Lord, that our faith would be stronger than the difficulties we face. And so that through all of that, through all the, the difficulties and troubles of life, we can show your glory to a world that desperately needs you. So I pray you'd speak to each heart for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> In this passage of Scripture, we find uh, Christ's first public sermon, part of it, and uh, the greatest sermon ever put into print is the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. And we could spend a lifetime and should spend a lifetime just going through these verses, studying what they mean to figure out how we should live and how Christ wants us to live. But in this passage of Scripture, it's a place that I go to when I begin to get concerned about the difficulties of life. And so I've had uh, several conversations this week <clears throat> about folks who are facing difficulty because of uh, the times we live in. Uh, some are concerned about taking care of their family. 
Some see the things going on in the world and feel uncertain. Others are having to make difficult decisions because of everything from inflation and, and the rising cost of health care and all types of different issues. I think that we all can agree that in these days we are feeling the stress, the pressure, the Bible word is distress, the, the pressure, the walls closing in, our options are becoming limited, and we feel all of this. And I would say this morning that we live in troubled times. If you're just looking with earthly eyes, we have a lot of reasons to be concerned. I mean, we think about our own nation fighting for her identity. Uh, the nation that many of us grew up in, there are forces organized to change America into something completely different. And it's troubling. And it's troubling that the right people don't seem to be standing up speaking against it. Uh, and we see these powerful forces. Who would have ever thought that in America we would be arguing over how many genders there are? Or whether... Uh, Men who want to call themselves women should be able to dominate uh, women's sports. Or whether if I don't use the pronoun that you demand I use, now somehow I'm a criminal and guilty of some sort of violence. I mean, these are the things that uh, the average American looks at and says, this is insanity. This is craziness. We have reason to be troubled in an earthly way of speaking. We see the government overreach that happened during COVID. Who would have thought that a government could just say, no, you can't go to church? Who would have ever thought that in America? And yet a year ago, last Easter, 2020, in Easter, there were policemen outside of churches like ours blocking the parking lots, telling people that they couldn't go to church. And if they dared go anyway, taking down license plates numbers and fining them $1,000 per family for daring to park their car on church property. And that's just one example, I mean, but we see these things and it builds up. It builds up over time. We see American politicians breaking laws with no consequences. If you and I did the same things they, they get caught doing on a regular basis, we'd be going to jail. Or if it's a, if it's a riot that they agree with, like the, <clears throat> like the race riots of 2020, burning down buildings and, and wrecking cities, then... They'll even help you get bailed out of prison, but if you dare to stand on the Capitol grounds on January 6th, maybe you didn't even do anything wrong, maybe you didn't even go in the building, but you just happened to be there, they will hunt you down. There are dozens of people right now that have been in prison since January 6th of last year with no court date, no charges. They're just like in, in dungeons. Uh, and... People have gone in there, politicians have gone in there and said, what, what, are the, what, what are the conditions that you've got these people in? How is this possible? No bail, no hearings. How is this possible in America? We find our southern borders open. Over two million people have come uninvited into our country into the, over the last year, but yet our politicians are so concerned about a border half a world around. Now, I'm not saying that's right, and I disagree with it all. Uh, Russia has always been part of an axis of evil politically, not the people, but politically. They've always been that my entire lifetime. 
because their communistic philosophy is godless. But we see our politicians not upholding our own laws, and there seems to be no recourse. We see stable governments in turmoil around the world. Who would have thought in Canada that you could, that you could see what just happened with all this trucker stuff? And their president, Trudeau, who looks like some kind of uh, model for Pantene or something, you know, he's more concerned about his hair than he is uh, running the country, it seems like, how he'd turn out to be some kind of crazy dictator. How is this possible? I mean, we've all known Canadians, eh? It's a beautiful day, eh? And it's like you slap them. They're like, what'd you do that for, eh? You know, it's like they're just like, they're hard to get riled up. And yet here, finally, even up there, they are trying to take a stand and the government uh, just crushing them and putting in place things even further, trying to make permanent some of the crazy things. We see the war in Ukraine, <clears throat> war going on around the world with a military superpower. And man, if, if you're paying attention, and you, I recommend you not watch the news too much because, man, they, they make money by getting you all lathered up, right? So you stay tuned in. I'll try to just catch the news. You ever notice on like even all the news channels, it's like every 10 minutes it's breaking news. Breaking news. Oh, you just told me that 10 minutes ago. That's not breaking news, but it's all this show and, 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 and fear. And boy, they'll just get you all lathered up and worried so you keep tuning in. We see the alliance between China and Russia, a strengthening alliance. That's not good. And even biblically, there are prophetic ramifications there. It's not going to be too long before Iran probably joins that, that group, and you're going to see some of the prophetic alliances that have happened in the past start coming together again. We see rising inflation here at home. I went by a, I didn't get gas there, thankfully I got it cheaper uh, somewhere else, but yesterday I drove by a gas station, three ninety nine dollars a gallon for regular unleaded. It's like, how, how did that happen? I mean, just like a year ago, it was like $1.87. What's going on? You know, you go in the store, the meat. I go into Shaw's and get two little bags of groceries. It's like 97 bucks. It's like, it's like I got mouths to feed. I got three teenagers. They're going to eat this in like 10 minutes. <laughs> you know? Chew your food, please, you know? Swallowing apples like pills. Can I have another? It's like, no, you can't. We all see these things. We all feel these things. They say, oh, everybody's getting a pay raise. So, so some people, are, many of you didn't, but some people are getting wage increases of 5% while they say inflation 7%. But anybody with a brain knows it's much worse than 7%. That's how they finagle the numbers to make it look as best as possible. So if they're saying it's the worst inflation in 40 years, it's far worse you know, meat's up 20%, sugar's up 30%, this is up 40%, this is up 27%, inflation's at 7 It's like, that, that doesn't even work. People losing confidence in, in their own government and in the news and stuff because you know you're just being lied to on a daily basis. So what happens, all of this begins to build, even in the heart of God's people. And it builds and it builds and... One thing you can explain away and another thing you can deal with and another thing you can deal with, but kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back, eventually it all piles up and then we begin to get weak under the strain. 
And I want to encourage you this morning with a simple message entitled, Faith in Troubled Times. Faith in Troubled Times. Depending on your age, these are some of the most turbulent times that you remember ever going through. Now, if you are 50, 60, 70, 80, you remember the, the, the 60s and you remember the 70s and those were very turbulent times. Uh, but most of the people alive today, at least in, 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 our, uh, in this room and a lot of the young people, man, if you're below 40, I mean, I was born in, in 76, but I don't remember the 70s. Uh, I remember the terrible early 80s. Boy, Lord, help me to forget those days uh, where America was in turmoil, uh, spandex and mohawks and, and uh, hair bands and all that kind of stuff. I'm surprised we survived. But um, we've been through difficult times before. Uh, America has been through difficult times before. Christianity has been through far, far Worse times than these we face today. And we need to get some perspective to realize, even though this may be the worst we've ever seen it, this may be the, the worst we've ever felt it, especially as we're responsible for families and we have children and we're trying to pay the bills now and all these types of things, we've got to understand that God is bigger than the circumstances going on in the world. And there is a faith available for troubled times that can help us get through these days and even darker days if they were to come. I want to encourage you today that you can have faith that remains strong and steady and sustaining in the worst of difficult times. And in our portion of scripture here, we find that our Lord Jesus begins teaching people how to live. And he uses this idea, take no thought for. The phrase, take no thought for, literally means don't be anxious about or don't worry about. Five times in this passage of Scripture, he uses this idea, don't worry about. Don't worry about. Now, when do we begin to worry? When things are good? No. You got extra money in the bank. Everybody's healthy. Job's going good. Marriage is great. Children are obeying. Man, life's good. We're not worried then, are we? But we're worried whenever the money gets tight and relationships begin to struggle and our options begin shrinking and we don't see how the future's going to work out, we begin to worry. So this is actually an admonition for how to respond to troubled times our Lord was teaching us. And I want to give you three simple thoughts today about faith in troubled times. Number one, faith in troubled times is serious faith. Faith in troubled times is serious faith. You know, in America, we've been pretty comfortable for a long time. But comfort is the enemy of Christianity. Let me say that again. Comfort is the enemy of Christianity. Why? Because Jesus taught us that Christianity is a life of self-denial and sacrifice. If any man will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The denying of self is self-denial. The cross speaks of sacrifice and bearing a burden. And following me speaks of diligence. I'm not trying to be the God of my own life. I'm trying to submit to the Lord. The Christian life is a life of self-denial and sacrifice. 
But boy, when we get a little too comfortable, and hey, we've all done it. We've all done it. Things are going good. You don't read your Bible as much. You don't pray as much. Maybe you start skipping a little bit of church, take an extra vacation day. You know, we, we start to drift away from the Lord, don't we? It's the human condition that comfort makes us drift from God. When we get comfortable, we tend to stray from God and His Word. We skip church, we cut corners, we go through the motions. I'm still going to church. What'd you get out of it? <laughs> you know, I still read my Bible. Did God speak to you? Well, I still pray. You feel like God heard you? Well, I, I passed out a track. When's the last time you really witnessed to someone in earnest? And see, what happens is whenever we get comfortable and life is good, we begin to go through the motions and drift. Oh, but dear friend, troubled times are different. Let the doctor tell you you've got serious health problems. Now you begin to pray different, don't you? Now you begin to go to God's word differently. Let, let society begin to struggle and now you go to church needing something from God. And some of you are here today needing something from God. I mean, if God doesn't speak to your heart, uh, you, you're not sure how you're going to get through the week. You're not sure how you're going to hold it together. You're, you're, you're putting on a, a face for friends and family. You're trying to be strong, but inside you're quivering and you're, you feel weak. And that's okay. We've all been there. But troubled times drive us to God. Difficulty forces us to get serious about the things of God. We've all been there too, haven't we? Well, Lord, I don't have enough money to pay the bills. God, you've got to come through. You've got, you got to pay my rent. God, you've got to pay my mortgage. God, you've got, to, you've got to provide food for my family. That's different than bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so. And bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so. No, now it's like, oh, God, oh, God, you've got to come through. Lord, my, my wife is so desperately sick. God, my husband, he's got cancer. God, I don't know what to do. Now that trouble drives us to God. And faith in troubled times is serious faith. We find here in the Matthew chapter 6, the Lord gives us admonitions, six things about getting serious for the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew chapter 6. And in verses 9 through 13, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What does this mean? Jesus is saying, hey, pray fervently. Pray with a plan. Pray with a list. Get serious about what you're asking God for. Boy, sometimes we just go to God and we'll, just whatever comes up. And Lord, yeah, help so-and-so. And Lord, help so-and-so. And we're just very lackadaisical about prayer. But this, often called the Lord's Prayer, I like to name the model prayer better because it's simply a, an outline of what to pray for every day. And when we get serious about uh, about our faith in troubled times, we learn, hey, we got to pray. And I'm going to pray about these 10 things right here every single day. And I'm going to make prayer an important part of my morning. Why? Because I'm getting serious about the things of God. 
In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus talks about forgiveness. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. How do we get serious about serving God? You've got to start forgiving. You've got to forgive people that hurt you. People that offend you. I believe unforgiveness is one of the unspoken sins in modern Christianity that's killing Christianity. We think it's okay to hold a grudge. We think it's okay just to, to, to bear ill towards one another. Well, they hurt me 27 years ago, and I hate them, and I want them to pay, and I... You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. And that is poisoning you. You have to give that to God. It's two levels of forgiveness. Number one, I'm going to forgive you for my sake and God's sake. I'm going to forgive you so that your poison, your pain doesn't keep poisoning me and I can be right with God. The second level of forgiveness is when someone comes to you and says, please forgive me. And now that restores your relationship with that person. The first level, I'm going to forgive you for God's sake, means now I can be right with God. But someone doesn't have to come and ask forgiveness. You know, sometimes mean people, hard-hearted people, they're never going to ask forgiveness. So if you don't forgive them, you're going to be a slave to them your whole life. But no, we forgive them for Jesus' sake. So I can be right with God. And then if they come and ask forgiveness, I'm going to forgive them because they ask and fellowship can be restored with one another. But we got to forgive. See, uh, faith in troubled times is a serious faith. We're going to pray daily fervently. We're going to forgive those who have offended us. We're going to stop playing church. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the who? Hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? It's an actor. It's just an actor putting on an act. Act in one way in one group of people. Act in another way in another group of people. And the old time actors, before they had makeup and all that, and would, would get all dolled up, and in some cultures they would just put a mask on. And they would hold up these masks as they were, were, were pretending to be different people. And the idea of a hypocrite is you're really one thing, but you put on a mask to pretend to be something else. No, how about we just get right with God? Let's not pretend to be spiritual. Let's be spiritual. Let's not pretend to be saved. Let's get saved. And if you're a Christian, don't put on a mask going out in the world acting like they are because that's not who you are. Being a hypocrite is not just acting like a Christian when you're uh, acting like a good Christian when you're not. It's also hypocritical to be a Christian and go in the world and act like you're not saved. Sometimes people say, well, I, I don't go to that church because there's hypocrites down there. There's a lot more hypocrites at the bar than there are at the church. There's a lot more hypocrites at the gambling place than there are at the church. No, the problem's not hypocrites. The problem is Jesus, sir. The problem is you don't want to get serious about serving God, sir. You want to be the Lord of your own life, ma'am. And whenever troubled time comes, we've got to stop looking at everybody else and we need to get right on the inside. Lord, I'm not right. I know I'm not right. I want to be right. Forgive me. And those troubled times drive us to God. And it's a serious faith. Don't pretend to be spiritual. Be spiritual. Don't pretend to love Jesus. Love Jesus. Oh, it's a serious faith. Next he says in verses 19, 19 through 21, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Assyrian faith begins laying up treasures in heaven. You know, folks, materialism is a religion. And there's a lot of Christians who have given their heart and their strength to playing the world's game, to playing like Monopoly with your real life, the one with the most stuff at the end wins. And one of these days you're going to figure out that the money in your bank account is not a God to be worshipped, it's a tool to be used. And one of these days you're going to figure out that all the stuff we accumulate isn't doing us any good at all. It's just going to rust and fall apart one of these days. But every single thing we lay up in heaven lasts forever. Every moment you spend for Jesus lasts forever. Every effort you make in His cause, in His name, lasts forever. And what we also find here is Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, if you're in the world and all you're focused on is making money and buying things and getting a bigger house and getting a nicer car and getting a boat and getting the four-wheeler and getting this and getting that, nothing wrong with those things. Matter of fact, if you have them, invite me over. I'd like to play. Right? There's nothing wrong with those things unless you're living for them. Now it's a problem. Well, see, I can't go to church on Sundays anymore because I've got to work overtime so I can pay for my my Mustang. I got. I can't go. To, I got. I got to work overtime so I can get a, an RV camper. So then my family and I can skip church on Sunday and and go. Now if you've got a Mustang, invite me over. <laughs> I want to play. Matter of fact, if you got a Mustang Cobra, uh, I'd like to really talk to you after the service. <laughs> I got uh, or a Camaro SS, Corvette ZR1, ZR6. I mean, I'm 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 not picky. You've got to understand the heart of this. None of those things are bad unless we make them bad by giving our lives and strength for them and neglecting God. Because then what happens, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When we give the world our time and talent and strength and energy, our heart is with the world. You say, I'm just not feeling, I'm just not feeling like going to church. Maybe give God your heart. How do I do that? Go to church more. Ask what you can do around church. Ask what you can do to help. Uh, work a ministry. Get involved in, in, in uh, nursing home ministry or the bus ministry. Or, you know, the more you spend your time and effort in the things of the Lord, you're going to fall in love with it. Yeah. It's a serious faith. Number five, Jesus told us to see life with spiritual eyes. Matthew chapter 6, 22 through 23, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore in thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of what? Light. But if thine eye be evil or dark, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So the Bible is talking about the eye here. It's talking about the vision. If, you're, if your eye is single, focusing on the things of God, then you're, you're going to be filled with light. Your whole life's going to be filled with light. Why? Because you're focusing on the things of, of God. But if thine eye be evil, if you're focused on the darkness of this world, if you're only focused on the bad things going on around you, then your body, your being, is going to be filled with darkness. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes Christians, 
We get cynical. Man, sometimes people, all you can see is the bad. Well, it's a terrible day. Well, this is a bad day. This is a bad time. It's a bad this. It's a bad that. If all you see is the bad and the evil, your life will be filled with darkness. You will be miserable, and you'll make the people around you miserable. Why? Because you're focused only on the evil. But if your eye be single, if you decide to focus on that which is good, seeing the good in the world around you, seeing the good in your own life, then your body can be filled with what? Light. Light. You ever notice how some people have relatively good lives and they're miserable? And other people have serious issues in their life that, that would crush a normal person. And you're like, how are they so happy? How are they keeping going? It's what they're focused on. What are you looking at? And a, a faith for troubled times is a serious faith. And it begins to see the world with spiritual eyes, looking for God everywhere, seeing the blessings. He says, lastly, under this point, number six, Stop trying to serve God and mammon. You must choose. Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon's an Aramaic word that means wealth, possessions, money. You can't live for God and what this world has to offer. You just can't do it. Now, what happens is if you choose to live for God, he may give you everything the world has to offer. He can do that. But money and wealth and possessions are not a God to be worshipped. They are tools to be used. And as long as you keep that right, you don't have to decide who you're going to serve because my Lord is Jesus. And whether I'm broke or rich, my Lord is Jesus. Whether I've got no opportunities or tons of opportunities, my Lord is Jesus. So faith in troubled times is a serious faith. We look next, faith in troubled times is a seeking faith. Look at Matthew 6.33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 famous verse underline it memorize it if you don't have it memorized but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you so here's the thing the world we know we need food we know we need clothing we know we need stuff to drink we know that we need uh, a shelter we know that we need things in this life but god knows we need them too matter of fact he created us Verse 32 says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. So when you're praying for clothing, you're not telling God something He doesn't know. He knows. Now, He might want you to wear Walmart, not Louis Vuitton. Unless you get the cheap stuff from the China black market. Then it's about the same price anyway. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. A buddy of mine went over to China. He came back with his luggage filled they have the streets over there lined with Coach and Louis Vuitton and Rolexes and all this stuff, just like crazy cheap because it's a different market. Some of it's knockoff, apparently some of it's real, but it's just Americans pay a lot more for stuff. Uh, but you, you've got to change your thinking. Maybe God won't give you what you want, 
You know, I, I want to drive a Hummer. God says, no, you need a minivan. Well, the minivan's better than the car I used to have. And that car is better than the car I used to have before that. But sometimes we've, we've got to change our thinking. God knows what you need. God knows you need food to eat. But you don't need McDonald's seven days a week. Matter of fact, it'll kill you. <laughs> right? If your entire diet consists of what you put in the microwave and zap for 90 seconds, you just need to thank God you're alive. <laughs> you know, Bill Gates and all these people trying to get us to eat this impossible meat. Now oh, it tastes like hamburger and this impossible. Have you read what that stuff's made out of? Have you read what grossness and chemicals and filth and how much energy and how much water and all these things they take to make fake food? That doesn't seem to be, many doctors are saying now, especially natural doctors, is not healthy for you. <clears throat> but God knows we need stuff to eat. God knows we need stuff to drink. But see, we worry over the wrong things. God wants us to worry over sinners going to hell, and we're, we're worried over our, our own needs. And Jesus says, I know what you need. You don't have to convince me to give you food to eat. You don't have to convince me to give you water to drink. You don't have to beg me for clothes to put on your back. I know you need them. I will take care of you. Seek me. Seek me first. And all these things will be added unto you. See, and this is such a help to us whenever we think about the things of God. It feels like we've got so many responsibilities in this life. Men and women, listen to me. It feels like you've got more to do than you can do. And it feels like we're overwhelmed. And it feels like we don't have a lot of options and we don't know how it's all going to work out. Let me help us. According to the scripture, you and I have one major thing to do today. And that is seek him first and his righteousness. And then he promises, if you seek me... All these things will be added unto you because you seek me. You know, my children get cared for because they're mine. They don't have to go to work. They don't have to worry about what to eat. They don't have to worry about the, 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 the cupboards being filled or, or the, the house being heated. All that is part of them being my child. And the same thing goes for God. Are you a better father than he is? Are you a better mother than he is a parent? He said, I will take care of my children. Seek me. Seek me first. How do we seek God first? Give God the first part of your, or the first day of your week. Give God the first day of your week. Sunday is the Lord's day. It's not baseball day. It's not football day. It's not basketball day. It's not Super Bowl day. It's not hockey day. It's not rest day. It is the Lord's day. Give God the first day of your week. Number two, give God the first hour of your day. Start your day talking to God. Start your day with Jesus. Next, give God the first consideration in every decision. Should I buy this? Should I not buy it? Well, let's ask Jesus. Should I go there? Should I not go there? Let's ask Jesus. Should I do that or should I not do that? Let's ask Jesus. And we put him first. Number four, give God the first percentage of your increase. Give God the tithe, the, the, the first 10% of all your increase plus an offering. Lastly, give God the first place in your heart. And the Bible teaches when we put Christ first, God will provide everything we need. 
Let me say lastly, faith in troubled times is a serious faith. Faith in troubled times is seeking faith. Lastly, faith in troubled times is a settled faith. We must rest in the promises of God. Now, what does it mean to rest in the promises of God? You know what it means. Let's say tonight you lay in bed, you go to sleep. And boy, your mind's racing, thinking about all the stuff you have to do, thinking about all the bills you need to pay, thinking about everything you have to do. And boy, you roll over on this side, and you're still thinking about it. Your body can't calm down. You roll over on the other side, and you can't seem to calm down, and the worries begin to build, and the darkness grows, and all you can see is the bad and the worries and the uncertainty. And so you roll over, and then maybe you sleep on your stomach for a minute. Ouch, that hurts. So you're going to roll back over to the back. <laughs> and uh, we all know what it's like to toss and turn. That's not resting. Let me tell you what rest is. You lay down in your bed tonight. Back of your head hits that soft pillow. You take a deep breath. And you just fade off into sleep. You know why? Because you're not worried about it. And it's not just about sleep. It's about that's how we need to live. You know, we get worried. We get worried. You know, I'm going to give that to God. I'm going to rest in Him. What about the Ukraine? What about the war? What about Russia? What about nuclear war? You know what? I'm going to give that to Him. And I'm going to rest in His promises. What about inflation? What about this? I don't have enough money to pay you know what, I'm going to seek him first and I'm going to give that problem to him and I'm going to rest in his promise. Here's the interesting thing, you can't change it anyway. You can't do a thing to change it. A wise man once said, there are things in life you can control and there are things in life you can't. A happy man knows the difference. You can worry yourself to the bone thinking about things that you can't do anything about. Let me show you a couple scriptures here. We'll be done. Jesus says, don't worry. Look at Matthew 6.25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for what? Your life. Don't worry about the needs of your life. That doesn't mean don't work. It doesn't mean that, that don't don't plan doesn't mean don't be organized it just means don't worry about it so we're not going to spend time worrying about it we're going to seek god first work his plan and then he's going to take care of us look at verse 27 which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature you know i've always been 510 one of these days i'll probably be like 58 as i get older you know people shrink I always wanted to be over six foot. When I played basketball, they listed me at 5'11". Never, never made it. But no matter how much I wanted to be taller playing basketball, nothing I could do about it. So you know what? You do the best with what you got. And there are things in life that you can't control. This is what this verse is saying. Stop worrying about things you can't control. Give it to God. Number three, look at verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment or clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. So don't worry about clothes to wear. 
Uh, number four, don't worry about food and drink, Matthew 6, 31 and 32. And here I like this one as we close. Look at Matthew 6, 34, one of my favorite verses on the subject of worry. Take therefore, therefore, what? what's therefore? Everything we talked about before. Faith in troubled times is a serious faith. Faith in troubled times is a seeking faith. Faith in troubled times is a settled faith. Therefore, because of all of that, take no thought for the morrow. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Why? For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What's he saying? You got enough on your plate today. And when you worry about tomorrow, all you're doing is stealing the strength and energy you have to deal with the problems of today. So we need to deal with what's on our plate today. If you were to follow me around, one of the things you hear me say multiple times a week is that's a tomorrow problem. That's a problem for tomorrow. It's a problem. That's a problem for tomorrow. Can't do anything about it today. It's out of my control. I'm not going to worry about it. I'll pray about it. I'll give it to God. I'll seek Him first. That's a tomorrow problem. And then what it does is it gives us the strength to seek God and deal with problems today. And then tomorrow, the new set of things and a new set of problems. But what you find out is every day you also get a new supply of grace and a new supply of faith. See, God's grace is somewhat like the manna of the Old Testament. He only gave them enough for today. If they tried to get extra and hold it over to tomorrow, it would stink and rot. That's why every day we need to seek God because you get strength for today. You don't have strength today to to carry tomorrow's problems or next month's problems or next year's problems. So Satan wants you to take all of those problems and try to put them on your plate today and you're not equipped to handle it. But if you say, no, that's for tomorrow, sufficient to the day's evil thereof, God has more than enough grace to get you through today. And God's promise to protect us, to provide for us, and even as we seek Him to promote us, even in troubled times. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. Pray that you'd help us now as we live in these difficult days, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would strengthen us, that you'd give us a strong faith in troubled times. And Lord, that we would not doubt you, that we would not get distracted or discouraged or defeated by the things going on around us or what we see on the horizon. But Lord, help us to live by faith and help us to trust you for today. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you're at with this, but I tell you, you're going to face some dark days in life. And it's a this kind of faith can get you through the troubled times victoriously if you're not sure you're saved we'd love to take a bible and show you how you can know for sure you're saved